www.sacredheartbreath.com. Wednesday, the 13th of September. It's the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, open our ears that we may hear and live. By your word, you carved creation out of chaos. Create in us a faithful order of life. By your word, you brought light from darkness and stilled the storm. Enlighten and quiet us to hear your voice in the midst of daily life. By your word, you healed the sick and raised the dead to life. Give new life to all who live in the shadow of death. O God, you speak the word of life through the eloquence of the faithful servants, such as St. John Chrysostom, whom you call to proclaim the good news of salvation. By Chrysostom's example and intercession, raise up courageous and convincing preachers in our day to stir faith to life, to heal the brokenhearted, and to offer new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Dr. John Bergsma, who's been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. We're looking at the Song of Songs today. I've been looking at that with him for a while, actually. Father Rob Jack has more thoughts on how to speak Catholic. Gary Zimak will look at a uh, verse from the Psalms today that we're all very familiar with, and some people might not realize it comes from the Psalms. And then Dr. Matthew Bunsen will help us out in getting to know more about St. John Chrysostom, a doctor of the church, on this, his feast day. St. John's feast day. It's not Dr. Bunsen's feast day, at least not currently. Who knows? Two minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya in the wake of catastrophic flooding in the country. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead as the North African country reels from this flooding in recent days. Mark Mayfield has the story. Officials said on Tuesday that another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with the Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. The city of Derna, one of the worst-hit areas, has been declared a disaster zone. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See sent a telegram to Libya's apostolic nuncio from the Holy Father. It said he was deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction and assured those affected of his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all who mourn their loss. He also expressed his closeness to those who were injured, those who feared for missing loved ones, and for all rescue and relief workers. Meanwhile, more than 2,900 people have been killed after the earthquake that rocked Morocco last week. The death toll is still expected to rise. The number of people injured is now above 5,500 as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Hurricane Lee is likely to remain a large and dangerous hurricane for the next couple of days. Forecasters say the Category 3 storm had maximum sustained winds of roughly 115 miles per hour as of late last night. 
A tropical storm warning has been issued for Bermuda as the system moves northwestward. It's likely to bring dangerous rip currents and surf conditions at beaches along the U.S. East Coast this week. Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops Conference, has addressed the ongoing war in Ukraine on the sidelines of an international meeting he's attending in Berlin. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Cardinal Zuppi emphasized the need to find a solution to the war in Ukraine, highlighting the importance of distinguishing between the aggressor and the victim. He also discussed his peace mission entrusted to him by Pope Francis, which has already taken him to Ukraine, Russia, and the United States. The Cardinal stressed the importance of working towards a just and secure peace involving key players like China, where he will travel for a three-day visit on Wednesday. Cardinal Zuppi reiterated that true peace cannot be imposed, emphasizing the role of Ukrainians in determining their own path to peace. Peace, he said, requires the effort of everyone, but it is never something that can be imposed by anyone. It must be the peace chosen by Ukrainians with the guarantees, commitment, and effort of everyone. Regarding recent tensions with Kiev, following a speech by Pope Francis to young Russians in St. Petersburg, Cardinal Zuppi expressed confidence that these issues would be resolved, highlighting the Church's and the Pope's support for Ukraine in times of suffering. The Cardinal also echoed Pope Francis's desire for a creative peace to explain how the paths of peace itself are sometimes unpredictable and require the commitment and involvement of all and a great alliance for peace. In response to criticism about the pace of diplomacy, Cardinal Zuppi defended the importance of taking action and attempting to make a difference. If you do nothing but fail, you do nothing, he said, adding that it is always better to try. Peace added the Cardinal should come right away, or better yet, it should be the condition in which one lives. Cardinal Zuppi concluded by calling for patience and concerted efforts to rebuild what division, violence, and injustice have torn apart. Patience is needed, he said, to let the times mature and to know how to seize them, always recalling that peace must come, and it must come immediately, as soon as possible. I'm Devin Watkins. The Department of Justice is filing an appeal to the Supreme Court asking them to end the legal battle over Mifepristone. The abortion pill has been the subject of a nationwide legal fight. The Justice Department filed the appeal on Friday, urging the Supreme Court to maintain broad access to the abortion drug. The paperwork claimed this case is the first time that the court has ever overlooked the quote-unquote expert judgment of the FDA. The move comes just hours after the manufacturers of Mifepristone filed a similar appeal. And the famous Brady Bunch home in Southern California has been sold. According to the Wall Street Journal, the residence in Studio City that has that was used for an exterior for the popular TV show has been sold by the HGTV network to the wife of former HBO executive Chris Albrecht for just over $3 million dollars. HGTV had listed the home for $5.5 million earlier this year. The network had previously renovated the interior of the home to match the original set of the sitcom that starred Florence Henderson and Robert Reed. I feel like this got sold before. Well, HGTV clearly bought it at some point. And then HGTV, I guess, 
Did they do an episode where they did that? They thing probably, that you just said? no doubt, no doubt, they renovated it to look just like the Brady Bunch. Would you? Uh, There's certain things, Anna so Mitchell, I can't watch on decor- television. It's like, like the- can I just tell you, I can't watch certain things on television. I have trouble watching people cook because I'm like, I should be cooking right now. I have people wa- have trouble watching people fish. I don't really do fishing shows because I'm like, I'd rather be doing that myself. <laughs> have trouble watching people renovate houses because I'm like, I'd be doing that myself if I had the budget. Well, that's why you get in touch with those shows and have them do it for you, Matt. I don't want I don't want the world you to gotta see You got to be my, all up to date on I don't want the world to see shows. my house, Anna Mitchell. I know, right? Be like, can I, can I clean some stuff up before you all start filming in here? Oh, my gosh. We're in the midst of an overhaul in the house because, you know, people are coming over for a big birthday bash today. And you're like, shove it under the couch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we don't have to shove things under the couch. It's packed under that couch with Legos and stuff. But anyway, happy fourth birthday, Freddie Egan. Freddie. Four years old. Your Uncle Map says hello and happy birthday. I will most definitely pass along Uncle Map's birthday greetings to Freddie today. It's November. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. September. I I was looking at the nine on my calendar and thinking nine equals novus item. I'm thinking in Latin today, folks. It's actually September 13th, the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. We'll talk more about him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen later this hour. It's nine past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Bergsma. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics, illustrating God's love for us throughout the Bible. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So, Doc, we have been studying the Song of Songs in Love Basics, and we've talked about the romance in this book as as being a metaphor for God and the church, which is awesome because then, Doc, we can keep this book at a bit of a distance, right? As many of us, maybe most of us, as we've mentioned in previous conversations, kind of squirm when we read Song of Songs as if we're being kind of voyeuristic when when we're reading it, but should we be understanding this book on a, a natural level as much as the spiritual level? Well, you know, the relationship between God and the church is reflected in every marriage, every Christian marriage. Yeah, the, you know, the Song of Songs does celebrate, you know, the natural goodness of the body, of husbands and wives, of beauty. Um, all these things are good. They're not, uh, you know, sinful or evil in themselves, and if they were, God wouldn't be able to take them up as images of his relationship with his own people. So yeah, there, there's the, the element of also celebration of human marriage in the Song of Songs, because it's a sacrament, you know, uh, you know we get criticized sometimes, uh, you know, by, uh, by non-Catholics for you know, exalting virginity and, and the religious life over marriage, but it's only the Catholic Church that holds marriage to be a sacrament, mm. a, a holy estate. And so um, there is a lot in the Song of Songs that uh, that has implications for um, every, uh, you know, uh, sacred bond, every um, sacred covenant between man and wife. 
Yeah, so how do we see in the Song of Songs sort of the the beginnings of of this teaching of the body as a temple? Yes. There's beautiful imagery. I mean, there's there's four times in the Song of Songs where the couple describe each other's body, and three times the uh, bridegroom describes the body as his bride. Once the bride describes the body of her bridegroom. Sometimes when the bridegroom describes his bride's body, he uses imagery from the land of Israel, and we've talked about that before, how she represents the land of Israel and and, uh, the people of God and covenant relationship to him. But sometimes when he describes her body, he describes her as the Garden of Eden. And that's beautiful in itself, but we also have to remember the Garden of Eden was the original temple. It was a temple garden. And so that implies that her body um, has a sacred nature to it. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 2, where Eve's body is described as being built uh, by God, not made, not formed, but built uh, from Adam's uh, rib. And the reason it says that, of course, is because she is a temple. And likewise, when the bride describes the body of her bridegroom in chapter 5, she goes from head to toe, and she uses these images of gold, of ivory, of alabaster, of golden pedestals, um, of various spices. And if you look for the background of all these images that she's using, Anna, they're being taken from the Jerusalem temple. So he's being described as if his body, indeed, was also a temple. Wow. This is incredible. Now, one thing that that people can kind of get confused about, though, when it comes to the Song of Songs, I mean, it's like all this stuff in here that that we've been talking about, (laughs) um, it's all being said and prior to their marriage, right? So how do we how do we address that, Doc? Yeah. Actually, all of the descriptions that we have in the song are really, if you look carefully, um, in the context of dreams and daydreams. Mm -hmm. And so the general attitude of the Song of Songs is this longing for the upcoming marriage and visions of what the marriage will be like. But at the end of the book, they still have not been married. They call to each other, um, and we have a final scene where they're calling back and forth on the night when the bridegroom shows up with his groomsmen to escort the bride to their wedding. So we have to look at the Song of Songs as visions of anticipation, of dreams, of uh, the union between between bridegroom and bride. And that applies to us as Christians as, as visions of heaven. You know, this this is speaking to us through images of, of what it's going to be like to be in the beatific vision, what it's going to be like to be embraced by by Jesus uh, forever. Um, it's just, you know, the sweetness of the exchange of love. And uh, so I think that's how we deal with it, Anna. How do you know that they were chased? Yes, because of the uh, the rather explicit and not very subtle uh, <laughs> language that's used in various places, like a garden enclosed is my sister, my bride, a garden enclosed, a fountain sealed in uh, chapter 412. And I don't need to explain what that's referring to. And in chapter 8, actually in 8, uh, 10, and 11, the bride uh, boasts 
that she is a wall as she enters into her marriage relationship with her husband as opposed to being a door. And uh, we could mention some other places as well. But um, the Song of Songs actually really does value uh, chastity uh, before marriage because it's about exclusivity. It's about saving oneself so that you can give yourself wholly to your spouse and that when you give yourself wholly to your spouse, there's no baggage uh, from previous relationships. There's no qualification of that. It's just kind of a pure act of self-gift. And I'm giving to you something that I've never given to anybody else. And that really helps to strengthen that indissoluble marital bond. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. John Bergsma. You can find his book, Love Basics for Catholics, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. St. Augustine gives us tremendous insight as to why we should pray. He says this, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need even before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for as God, he cannot fail to already know it. But rather, he wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. 18 pastors, Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya in the wake of catastrophic flooding in the country. Meanwhile, the death toll is still expected to rise in Morocco, but it stands currently at more than 2,900 people who have been killed after a devastating earthquake there. And... The White House is insisting it's not giving money to Iran despite a $6 billion transfer of funds to the regime. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's best that I just don't ever comment on news stories. All right, Anna Mitchell, it's the Did feast, we of, not turn Matt's it's the feast of St. John Chrysostom. It is. You know, Chrysostom was not his last name. That's correct. Uh, so it means golden-mouthed. And boy, And I was thinking about some other people who have um, 
nicknames, mm-hmm. right, that sometimes people can, like, substitute out, and you're like, oh, I know who that person is. So if I say Chrysostom, you know I mean St. John, the Cappadocian father. Right. Uh, another person like this is St. Justin Martyr. Martyr was not his last name. Correct. Um, but I was going to throw some nicknames out, and you tell me if you know who they are. Okay. You ready? How about how about Maid of Orleans? That would be Joan of Arc. How about Lily of the Mohawks? That would be St. Kateri. How about the Forerunner? John the Baptist. How this about... is really anxiety. This is making me you ready? anxious. You ready? Okay. How about... Oh, I'm no. Bad to you. How about Didymus? Didymus? The Blind? Okay. Thomas, you mean? Okay, yeah. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Thomas. It just means the twin. Right, okay. Last one. Little flower. Therese. Actually, oh, last, last, last one. Apostle to the Apostles. Mary Magdalene. You did so good on this. <sighs> I don't know what you were. <sighs> My heart is just racing right now. It's 21 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Morning show continues on this Wednesday, the 13th of September, the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. Much more on him later in the show. Father Rob Jack now joining us. He's host of Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Radio. It's the same radio station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show, and we've been talking about how to learn to speak Catholic. Father Rob, good morning. Oh, do we have Father Rob there? I think we might be uh, having a little trouble with Father Rob's line. Oh, Father Rob, you sound like a dog this morning. Clear your throat a little bit. 
What's that? Father Rob hung up on you. He was like, he's, he's like I'm talking to Matt today. He didn't. He he thought he was on the wrong show because he didn't hear his. He didn't music. hear his own theme music. My <laughs> guess is that he had a problem with the way I said the word September or something. I don't know. I think Paul's trying to get Father Rob yeah, back on the Paul's line. Paul's getting Father Rob back on the line. There he is. There's Father Rob. Father Rob, how are you? Hi. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, and we're in this series on how to speak Catholic. We're taking some words that the church uses in very specific ways and, and understanding that because sometimes these words are used in different ways out there in the rest of the world. Today we're talking about natural and supernatural. I'm so glad that we're diving into these because often when we talk about natural, we mean like organic, like natural foods. And when we talk about supernatural, we mean just spooky, right? So That's exactly right. What does the church mean by natural and supernatural? Because she's using these words in very specific ways, right? Oh, very much so. I mean, natural refers to that which is, which in many ways for us, if we look at it from human beings' point of view, is nat- is is human. You know, we're made up of, of parts, you know, we're body, we're soul, you know, all these things. So because of that, there's a complexity to us in our humanity. And so we talk about our natural life. We are we're able not only to deal with the world through our senses, you know, we come to know through our senses and everything, but the only thing we can really come to know is that which is material. The spiritual part, or what we would call the supernatural part, we come to know through the grace of God. And, and what we find is that the supernatural helps us to be able to transcend ourselves, to go beyond that which we would know through our senses to become uh, aware of the things of the spiritual world. And the spiritual world, again, is something that is it's not natural to us, but it is something we are capable of because of how God created us to be. You know, it uh, strikes me that even the word super or even the prefix super here needs a little bit of explaining because when I mean that something is super, uh, you know, in a world that understands what superheroes are, it just means like extremely Right? That's, <laughs> That's right. what super often means. Where in here it means above, right? Above the natural. That's exactly right. We, you know, those, those words like a, nat- a nature, it's what limits us. And we are limited. And we know we are limited because we are, we're mortal beings. And we know we're limited in, in the way that we have to come to know things over time. We can't know the fullness of knowledge at once. And so, yeah, that, that sets us apart, for instance, from the the pure spiritual beings, such as the angels. You know, the angels have what we would call preternatural gifts. And those are gifts because you can really have those three different types, the natural, that which pertains to us and how we were made, the preternatural, the things where God has given us, but we still need our humanity. And then there's the supernatural, which is where God lifts us up into his life. And as I said, oftentimes, as you pointed out, the, the, the challenge we face was with the supernatural, we, we recognize that we go beyond ourselves to God, and then only in the supernatural God gives us the gift to really know who we are. You know, if we only stick with living a natural life, which I would call a very horizontal-based life, we really only focus on the material, and that's where we are today. We only think about material things, and we only deal with our material needs. But because we know, uh, last week as we celebrated the Feast of St. Augustine, there is this restlessness of our heart 
matter does not ultimately satisfy us. This is where the supernatural comes in, which is God reaching into our life, and it is something that becomes not, it can become intuitive to us. It is something that we tend to see, as we say, we don't see it when it's there. We see it in its effects. You know, as you're saying this, I feel like it gives a a whole lot of clarity to some things that we read in Scripture that, that, uh, you know, might be a little murky. You know, in the in the King James Version, and I think in the Dewey Reams and a few others, in 1 Corinthians 2, um, uh, it's, uh, around, uh, yeah, it's around verse 14. Paul says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, you know, when I think about a natural man, I think about a man in the woods with a beard. But when Paul is thinking of the natural man in this context, what's he mean in the context of this conversation you and I have just been having? Well, he means someone who lives, as I said, basically what I would say a horizontal life. He lives life in the world. He lives life through his senses. He lives life through his instincts. You know, those are things that God created with us in this world. But what we, as I said, what we find is that we move beyond the things of this world to the higher things, like seeking the truth, understanding beauty. You know, those things that we call transcendentals, you know, one, true, good, and beautiful, those all push us outside of ourselves. And we go from living from strictly a horizontal life to now to begin to be pulled out vertically. God always wants to lift us up, and the supernatural life is what we would also call the life of grace, you know, and this is, again, another word that we can talk Catholic about at another time, but we have to understand first that we have our nature, and then we also have God who created this nature wants to pull us out of that nature because we're both body and soul. He wants to use the grace to build upon that nature, as we'll talk about later on. Thanks so much, Father Rob Jack. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Again, you can find Father Rob Jack and info on Driving Home the Faith at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, enter your email and subscribe. We'll send you show notes every morning to your inbox. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead in Libya after catastrophic flooding hit the North African country in recent days. Officials said yesterday that another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. Pope Francis, for his part, has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Holy Father deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction caused by the flooding in the eastern part of Libya. Assures his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all those who mourn their loss. With these sentiments, the Pope sent his condolences to the people of Libya in a telegram signed by the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Perelin, and sent to the Apostolic Nuncio to Libya, Archbishop Savio Hontai. 
drive-by. According to Reuters news agency, Storm Daniel barreled across the Mediterranean into Libya, wiping out about a quarter of the country's eastern city of Derna after dams burst in a storm. At least a thousand bodies had already been recovered in the city of Derna alone, and officials expect the death toll to rise much higher. The Red Cross has said 10,000 people are feared to be missing across the country in floods. In his telegram, the Holy Father expressed his heartfelt spiritual closeness to the injured, to those who fear for their missing loved ones, and to the emergency personnel providing rescue and relief assistance. The Holy Father concluded by invoking divine blessings of consolation, strength, and perseverance upon all affected by the tragedy. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Meanwhile, more than 2,900 people have been killed after an earthquake that rocked Morocco last week, and the death toll is still expected to rise. The number of people injured is now above 5,500. Hurricane Lee is likely to remain a large and dangerous hurricane for the next couple of days. Forecasters say the Category 3 storm had maximum sustained winds at last count of roughly 115 miles per hour. That's as of late last night. A tropical storm warning has been issued for Bermuda as the system continues to move northwestward. It will likely bring dangerous rip currents and surf conditions at beaches along the U.S. east coast. The White House is insisting the U.S. is not giving money to Iran despite a $6 billion transfer of funds to the regime. More from Mark Mayfield. The money was part of a recent prisoner swap involving five Americans. The Biden administration allowed banks to transfer the frozen Iranian cash that was previously off limits due to sanctions. The State Department says the money already belonged to Iran and the regime can only spend it on humanitarian needs. Republicans say that argument is absurd, and there's no way to actually trace what Iran spends all of its money on. I'm Mark Mayfield. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and Russian President Vladimir Putin are meeting. This is a rare occasion that has led some to believe military support for Russia's war in Ukraine is on the way. The two met Wednesday at a spaceport in Russia's Amur region, with video posted by an official Kremlin account showing the two smiling and shaking hands. It marks the first time since 2019 that Kim has visited Russia, as well as his first trip outside of North Korea in three years. The state of Colorado is delaying the implementation of a ban on a type of abortion pill reversal treatment. The Colorado Medical Board voted last week to delay new rules that ban clinics from administering the medication that can reverse the effect of drug-induced abortions. State lawmakers approved a bill earlier this year that claimed the use of the hormone progesterone to reverse abortions to be an unprofessional practice. The state is being sued by an Englewood clinic over the new law, and the medical board cited that lawsuit in its decision. Any enforcement would be delayed until late October at the earliest. And a federal grand jury has indicted five former Memphis police officers in connection with the death of Tyree Nichols. The 29-year-old died this year from blunt force trauma to the head three days after a traffic stop. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Have you used our QR code to download the Sacred Heart Radio app? 
The app lets you hear Sacred Heart Radio from anywhere and gives you access to the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast. To get the app, visit sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. John Chrysostom, Wednesday, September the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be really nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, a foggy start to the day, but then partly cloudy with a high of 74 today. Partly cloudy and comfortable tonight with an overnight low of 51. Another nice day tomorrow. Sunny skies with a high of 74 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny skies today and a high of 72. Mostly clear tonight with areas of fog possible and an overnight low around 48. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 73 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak from followingthetruth.com. And usually we take this space right smack dab in the middle of the week when you're probably at your most stressed and anxious and overwhelmed to take a step back and get a little perspective from the scriptures to maybe uh, reset the table and finish the week strong. Gary, how are you? Hey, Matt. Doing well. How about yourself? Not bad. I was just thinking this morning, like we really do kind of perfectly time these segments. They always hit when I'm the one who, at least in my world, needs the most perspective. Like right around this time in the week, I'm like, let's uh Let's let's reset the table here. So I don't know about you, but that's how that's where I am when we get to these segments. Yeah, tell you the truth, Matt. When when we come up with these segments, when we do them, we've been doing these for a long time now. A lot of times, the material that I suggest that we discuss is due to things that that are taking place in my life, and today's going to be no exception. Today, we're going to tackle the why question. You know this. I think this is perfect. This is this follows up on our on our series that we've been doing for the past several weeks about my latest book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good. And not too long ago, we talked about Job asking that very question, why, Lord? And, and you know, today's, today's um, Bible verse that we're going to look at comes from Psalm 22, and this really begins asking that question. The, the, that very question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know what, Matt? Sometimes that's an okay question to ask. Well, it's so okay to ask, and we have been granted such a level of permission to ask it because <laughs> it was modeled on the cross, right? I mean, Jesus exactly. prayed a lot of psalms in his life as an uh, observant 
Jew, but this one he prayed out loud in front of everybody in his uh, moment of greatest suffering. Exactly. And, and sometimes this comes up, and I do get this question, is it okay to ask why? And Matt, I've wrestled with this myself. Is it okay to say, why, God? Why is this happening to me? And, and I would say what you just said. If Jesus could pray these words, could live these words uh, from the cross, then it's, it's perfectly acceptable to ask, why, God? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? However, I would add, and this is evidence in this, uh, made evident in this psalm, it's okay to begin with the why question, but I don't think it should end there. Why God should lead to something else, and that's exactly what happens in the psalm. It begins, and typically this is attributed to David, it begins with the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it's not too long before he goes on to look at the things that God did in the past. You know, God, you were always there for your people. And then a little later on, it shifts to, and you were always there for me. And then he begins to say, you know what, I'm in big trouble now. I'm in big trouble with these things going on around me. I'm, I'm seriously in need of help, and you're the guy to do it. So we go from why, God, to, okay, God, you can do this, to now please help me. And, and I think that for all of us who are going through something, and I know somebody out there is going through something today. I know I am. Um, this is a good way to start. Why, God, is this happening? You know, it's, it's a question we could always, because it shows that we're having a conversation with God. We're not just complaining to our friends, to somebody we know, hey, why is this happening to me? We're talking to the Lord, the one who is in charge, our Lord, our Master, and then we are saying, why, God, and then letting that shift to, okay, you've always been there in the past. You can do this. Please help me. What you've just said is so extraordinarily important and actually ties back to the gospel that we heard this past weekend. Uh, if you recall, Jesus is discussing how to settle disputes among believers. And he says right. that if you've got a problem with somebody, go to him yourself first. Well, I mean, that applies pretty strongly in this situation. You've got a problem with God. Why don't you tell him? <laughs> like, exactly. you know, it's one thing exactly. for you to go tell your friends, you know, I don't understand God. It's a one. It's another thing altogether for you to take that to God and say, God, I don't understand this. I mean, God wants us to bring everything that we're feeling and thinking to him, right? As opposed to talking about him behind his back as if such a yeah. thing were possible. Yeah, yeah, that is so true because then it goes from complaining, because if I complain to one of my buddies, why is this happening? Why, why, why? That's complaining. That's grumbling. That's really being ungrateful for the Lord providing for us for all of our lives. You know, that's, that's what that is. But when I shift that and I have that conversation with God, that becomes prayer. And that's a good thing. Anytime we're talking to God is a good thing, no matter what we're saying. Now, of course, we don't want to get stuck in the whys and just keep asking why, why, why. We want to move on. But I don't know about you, Matt, but I've always found that when I begin that conversation with the Lord by asking the question why, and I'm sincere about it, and I'm sincerely looking to have that question answered from him, and I'm having that dialogue with him, we don't stay on the whys very long. And eventually my heart begins to change, and I begin to realize that by looking to the past, he's always been there for his people, He's always been there for me, and since God doesn't change, since he's immutable, there's a good chance that if I cooperate with him, that he's going to be there for me now. Actually, more than a good chance. It's guaranteed he is going to be 
there for me now. And that's what you can see when you read this Psalm 22. You see throughout this Psalm, David, as he is, as he's writing this, as he's speaking these words to the Lord, his heart is beginning to change and he starts to realize that God is there. God can do this. God might not do it the way I want. God might not be as fast as I would like, but he can absolutely handle whatever it is that's causing me to say why. Well, and he invokes this. If you go back and read Psalm 22, uh, right there, I mean, you only get to verse 4 before he starts saying it. He says, in you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and delivered them. Uh, David's immediately invoking that faithfulness that God has shown over time. And I don't think it's a bad thing for us to do the same thing. Lord, you helped this person. <laughs> you know, I yeah. know you're capable of this th- this thing that I'm asking. Um, I know that you've helped people in the past, and you can help me. Uh, you know, as you're mentioning this also too, Gary, I'm reminded of a story. I can't remember if we've talked about it before or not. Um, you know, the the uh, it's apocryphal, I'm sure, of uh, someone going to a convent and seeing a sister over in a corner of the garden yelling and throwing her shoe and asking someone, what is that nun doing over there? And one of the other sisters saying, oh, she's praying. <laughs> oh, man. No, I don't remember talking about that story before, but that's a good one. You know, and I've told people that, look, I've done it myself. If you've got a problem with God, don't be afraid to yell at him. Don't be afraid to be honest. He knows what you're feeling, and he wants that honest conversation. You know, I think more than anything else, he wants us to have that conversation with him. He wants us to express our opinion. As you said before, don't go behind his back, even though you really can't do that, but don't talk to somebody else complaining about what God has done or what what he's allowing to happen in your life. Go to him, and that always is going to take you to a better place. Well, I will tell you this, Gary. Uh, the psalmist and Christ our Lord are bolder in prayer than I would be on my own because I spent— oh, yeah. A couple of decades as an evangelical Christian, I heard a lot of spontaneous prayers from the pulpit through the years, but I never heard my pastor get up there and say, God, why have you abandoned this congregation? Wow, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that, right? No, and yet, no. here we hear David, who is a man after God's own heart, pray that, and you see the change that happens in him just by taking that to the Lord instead of just simmering about it on his own uh, here in Psalm 22. Gary, good stuff as always. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate you having me. God bless. All right, we're back after this. It's a quarter till. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters, September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. 
Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I feel like God has been really doing a work in me in the last five, ten years. I'm a convert to Catholicism, and I started to just really feel a passion to know more about the Catholic faith, and I started listening to Catholic radio all day. I'm not doing great things, but I'm doing small things with great love. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till on this Feast of St. John Chrysostom. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya in the wake of catastrophic flooding there that has left more than 5,000 people dead. Meanwhile, rescue and recovery efforts continue in Morocco. The death toll has reached more than 2,900 and is still expected to rise. And Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, who is the Pope's special envoy for peace in Ukraine, is going to be starting a mission in China. Next newscast coming up in about 14-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network next hour. Dr. Matthew Bunsen is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News, creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN Television. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And we are talking about St. John Chrysostom today, the golden-mouthed doctor of the church. How did he get to be such a great preacher? Uh, well, one is, I think, God-given talent, yeah. uh, which uh, was very clear from his earliest days. When, when we think of the greatest preachers in the history of the church, names like uh, Ambrose of Milan come to mind, uh, Anthony of Padua, Francis sale. But I think we have to give one special place to John Chrysostom. Uh, his, his name says it all, obviously. But uh, he had this ability from the earliest time of his life, and he learned some of it uh, as a result of an experience with a pagan, a pagan preacher by the name of Libanius, uh, who was in his time in what was then the great city of Antioch, considered the foremost rhetorician, the foremost teacher of rhetoric of how to speak. Uh, and it had been Labanius's hope that uh, John would stay with him, that he would remain his student. But uh, John had other directions, and it is said that on his deathbed, Labanius lamented that John would have been his successor as the greatest of the teachers of rhetoric, of teaching, of preaching, uh, had, he said, the Christians not taken him from us. <laughs> well, he had plans for John, and uh, John had plans for himself, too, that didn't uh, work out so much. I mean, he, like so many saints, tried to be a hermit for a time. Of course, that didn't work, so he ends up 
in parish life. He becomes a deacon and then a priest and then a bishop in Constantinople. And that was quite a significant gig in that time, was it not? Uh, It was. Uh, If Antioch was the second greatest city of the Eastern Empire, the Roman Empire of the time, then Constantinople was its great headquarters. Uh, It was the imperial capital. It was arguably the greatest city in the world. So you can imagine then the appointment of someone as Archbishop of Constantinople was a very big deal, and this was a very big deal. It's often been asked why exactly he was appointed uh, to this position. There were some who genuinely hoped that he would be the the kind of uh, genius and reformer that he was in Antioch. Others thought he might be easily controlled. Hmm. Uh, This is an era in which we already start to see some of the secular rulers trying to impose themselves on the church. As it was, he came as something of a surprise to everyone, because from the moment of his arrival, he really did commit himself as a reformer. And it is said that he began sweeping, it is said by Palladius, a writer, that he began sweeping the stairs from the top. And that meant meant reforming the clergy. It meant reforming his own office. It meant uh, that he was not someone very uh, interested in receiving a lot of bribes or flattery. And as a result of this, as always is the case, he began making enemies. And ultimately, one of them was uh, someone by the name of Aelia Eudoxia, who just happened to be the wife of the Emperor Arcadius. Oh, just happened to be, yeah. How did he make her so mad? (laughs) Well, part of it was uh, uh, John's real worry about just the sheer lavishness of the imperial court, of the levels of corruption that he saw uh, from the the imperial court to some of the bishops in the region, to the priests of the city, uh, to the very wealthy of the city, that the poor were being forgotten. And as a result of um, his complaints about these extravagances, especially the luxuriousness of her dress and her own court, Eudoxia really developed uh, a distaste, a dislike, and then an outright hatred uh, for John. And that, of course, led to a number of uh, efforts to remove him from his post. He was put on trial at one point in, in 403, in the very famous Synod of the Oak. And then he was actually banished from Constantinople several times. And how did he live his life in exile? Was he bitter or was, I mean, this is where, this is where saints really become saints. It's true. Uh, he, more than once uh, as he faced this being deported basically from the imperial capital, uh, would write for support from around the church, uh, including uh, from one of the Pope, Pope Innocent I. Uh, as well as uh, various other bishops, because he understood that uh, this was the type of interference in the life of the church that really couldn't be tolerated. He was helped in in coming back to the city, though, because while he may have been hated by the imperial court, the imperial citizens loved him. Now, that often meant uh, that there would be rioting in the streets, uh, which is a very frequent occurrence, unfortunately, at the time, uh, when he was sent away. Uh, And there was also, at one point, an earthquake uh, that hit the city right at the time of his expulsion. So Ailey Eudoxia took this as a sign that maybe she wasn't supposed to be supporting his banishment. Wow. Well, you know what? I will support her in in believing in that (laughs) sign because, I mean, what a great, great 
saint we have to talk about today. He dies in exile eventually on the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, which seems so fitting to me. How would you sum up the theology of St. John Chrysostom? Well, the theology of St. John Chrysostom is that, as so many of them do, these beautiful reflections on Christ, on the role that he has in our lives, uh, the need to understand the love of the poor, of seeing in Christ the, the smallest, and of almsgiving, of speaking out uh, in defense of the defenseless. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of sound doctrine, but also a love for the weakest among us. Well, that's what's so incredible about him as a doctor of the church, so smart, obviously, and yet brings it to the level of all of us and how we can live all of that theology. That's right. It's one of the reasons why he really is uh, considered the greatest of all the homilists or preachers in the history of the church, because like a great preacher, he was never desperate to show his genius. Instead, he was able to bring it down to the level that anyone could understand, and anyone who heard him had an encounter with Christ. So what do you think he has to say to us today, Dr. Bunsen? What he has to say to us is uh, be firm in our reform, but be faithful in our reform. Amen. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen. You can find him and the Doctors of the Church series linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Always wish we had more time to talk about these saints, Doc, but really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do it with us this morning. Always great to be with you. God bless. You too, Doc. Thank you. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up next hour for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hope you can stay with us. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, when Margie Christie will share the latest news from Dayton Right to Life. Alan Migliorato will discuss the dealing with lyrics of some types of adolescent music. I'll talk Catholic about the meaning of spiritual and supernatural life, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action. From fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in 
Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Wednesday, the 13th of September, the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. Let's pray a prayer of his together to start things off in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord Jesus Christ, open the eyes of my heart that I may hear your word and understand and do your will. For I am a sojourner upon the earth. Hide not your commandments from me, but open my eyes that I may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak unto me the hidden and secret things of your wisdom. On you do I set my hope, O my God, that you shall enlighten my mind and understanding with the light of your knowledge, not only to cherish those things which are written, but to do them. For you are the enlightenment of those who lie in darkness, and from you comes every good deed and every gift. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman pushing buttons. And he's going to get on Father Philip Michael Tangora for us here in just a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about a pastoral uh, document from Cleveland, uh, another issue going on in Denver, a lot of it having to do with what the church is trying to do, what the state wants the church to do. And uh, has to do a lot with gender stuff. So we'll talk about that with Father Philip Michael Tangora. Also, uh, talk about some of that uh, from a more philosophical perspective with Carlo Broussard. Father Mike Schmitz is going to discuss the catechism, and uh, that's something he's become rather known for. But we get to talk to Father Mike Schmitz this morning about our life in Christ. And then Mike Aquilina will talk about the last days of St. John Chrysostom, whose feast we celebrate today. Right now, it's two minutes past. News is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com, as well as Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead in Libya after catastrophic flooding hit the North African country in recent days. Mark Mayfield has more. Officials said on Tuesday that another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with the Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. The city of Derna, one of the worst hit areas, has been declared a disaster zone. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See sent a telegram to Libya's apostolic nuncio from the Holy Father. It said he was deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction and assured those affected of his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all who mourn their loss. He expressed his heartfelt closeness to those who were injured, who were fearing for missing loved ones and for all rescue and relief workers. Meanwhile, the death toll now stands at more than 2,900 people killed after the earthquake that rocked Morocco last week. And it's still expected to rise. The number of people injured is now above 5,500. The quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Hurricane Lee is likely to remain a large and dangerous hurricane for the next couple of days. Forecasters say the Category 3 storm had maximum sustained winds of roughly 115 miles per hour as of late last night. A tropical storm warning has been issued for Bermuda. The system continues to move northwestward. It will likely bring dangerous rip currents and surf conditions at beaches along the U.S. east coast. Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops Conference, has addressed the ongoing war in Ukraine on the sidelines of an international meeting in Berlin. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Cardinal Zuppi emphasized the need to find a solution to the war in Ukraine, highlighting the importance of distinguishing between the aggressor and the victim. He also discussed his peace mission entrusted to him by Pope Francis, which has already taken him to Ukraine, Russia, and the United States. The Cardinal stressed the importance of working towards a just and secure peace involving key players like China, where he will travel for a three-day visit on Wednesday. Cardinal Zuppi reiterated that true peace cannot be imposed, emphasizing the role of Ukrainians in determining their own path to peace. Peace, he said, requires the effort of everyone, but it is never something that can be imposed by anyone. It must be the peace chosen by Ukrainians with the guarantees, commitment, and effort of everyone. Regarding recent tensions with Kiev, following a speech by Pope Francis to young Russians in St. Petersburg, Cardinal Zuppi expressed confidence that these issues would be resolved, highlighting the Church's and the Pope's support for Ukraine in times of suffering. The Cardinal also echoed Pope Francis's desire for a creative peace to explain how the paths of peace itself are sometimes unpredictable and require the commitment and involvement of all and a great alliance for peace. In response to criticism about the pace of diplomacy, Cardinal Zuppi defended the importance of taking action and attempting to make a difference. If you do nothing but fail, you do nothing, he said, adding that it is always better to try. Peace added the Cardinal should come right away, or better yet, it should be the condition in which one lives. Cardinal Zuppi concluded by calling for patience and concerted efforts to rebuild what division, violence, and injustice have torn apart. Patience is needed, he said, to let the times mature and to know how to seize them, always recalling that peace must come, and it must come immediately, as soon as possible. 
I'm Devin Watkins. The Department of Justice is filing an appeal to the Supreme Court asking them to end the legal battle over mifepristone. The abortion pill has been the subject of a nationwide legal fight. The Justice Department filed the appeal on Friday, urging the Supreme Court to maintain broad access to the abortion drug. Their paperwork claimed this is the first time a court has ever looked the, quote, expert judgment of the FDA. Challengers have said that the FDA improperly approved mifepristone. The move from the Justice Department comes just hours after the manufacturers of mifepristone filed a similar appeal. And New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers is out for the rest of the season. Rodgers suffered from a torn Achilles tendon during Monday night football and had to be carted off the field with just four plays into his season debut with the Jets after getting sacked. The 39-year-old was acquired in a trade during the offseason from the Green Bay Packers. Zach Wilson will be taking over the starting duties for the Jets. All right, Zach, good luck. Also, I uh, hear the Mets have a new president of baseball operations. The Mets, Mets, Mets. Uh, Who are they? Is that a baseball team? Yeah. (laughs) Good for them. Listen to that little chuckle there. (laughs) (laughs) Father Tangora, of course, our resident Mets fan, priest of the Diocese of Patterson, New Jersey. Also Jets country, right? Uh, I'm actually a Giants fan, but yes, there are plenty of Jets fans out here, too. I know. Well, as a pastor, you have to attend to all the flocks, uh, you know, and not just the ones who share. Yes, the the only thing I'm not allowed to attend to are Devils fans. There you go. New Jersey Devils. It's a bit of a conflict of interest, it would sound like. It is. You can't be Catholic and be a New Jersey Devils fan. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. Hear that, Ken Craycraft, you Duke fan. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. I better I better get back on. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Father Philip Michael Tangora is a canon lawyer and a pastor, and uh, we deal with a lot of these issues where uh, church law and pastoral sensitivity tend to run up against one another, and it gets to be a bit messy, especially when state stuff gets involved. Uh, Father Tangora, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. How's everybody doing? I mean, I'm doing all right. This is like my least favorite topic because I feel like I hear you. Whenever we get to a discussion of this, which should be ultimately uh, a pastoral question, because humans are involved, conversations should be had with families behind closed door about doors about things. But unfortunately, because of the state of things, these become policy issues and dehumanized. Uh, but Let's talk a little bit about how different dioceses are wrestling with handling um, the gender questions in their schools. Yeah, so the Diocese of Cleveland issued a pastoral statement the other day that dealt with uh, addressing LGBTQ plus uh, persons and made it clear that in our Catholic schools, our Catholic Christian anthropology is what's going to be in force and that if you're born a boy or you're born a girl then you're going to be treated as a boy or a girl and not as a transgender or uh, gender fluid or any of these other kinds of things that the school is going to identify you with the proper pronouns based off of your biological uh, gender at 
birth. Uh, and obviously that catches uh, the LGBTQ advocates uh, off guard. Uh, at the same time, we have the diocese, the Archdiocese of Denver in Colorado uh, that was applying to participate in a program that the state put together that was a universal preschool program. Uh, and it was meant to be uh, used by not just public schools, but even private schools were capable of applying and receiving funding for 15 hours of preschool education for children in their programs. However, the uh, universal preschool program uh, then had the following condition, which was that there cannot be any, uh, the applicants for it cannot have any consideration of sexual orientation, gender identity, or religious affiliation. So you can't say that you're creating uh, a state-funded universal preschool program and then say, but if you're religious, but if you're going to uh, uphold traditional standards of gender identity or uh, sexual orientation by saying, you know, obviously a Christian school is going to be promoting, uh, you know, male, female, one male, one woman uh, marriage, uh, that that's that's excluded. That would be a violation of religious liberty, the very first part of the First Amendment, before freedom of speech, before anything else, was religious liberty. And, uh, you know, so obviously they're excluding religious liberty and to be able to say, no, well, if we're a Christian school, a Catholic school, we are going to have a certain morality, a certain way that we uh, teach for our uh, our students. So clearly we we always have with the LGBTQ issues, the fact that on one side you have parental rights, on the other side you have religious liberty and religious freedom rights, and then on the other side you have the right of an LGBTQ person to live openly in society. And these issues need to be dealt with civilly amongst level-headed persons and not through government interference, because whenever the government weighs in one way or another, it's going to violate, it's going to restrict, it's going to infringe upon the rights of one of these other groups. And that's what keeps on causing the inflammation of uh, these issues concerning LGBTQ parental rights and religious liberty. Whereas if the government was a neutral arbitrator and not a vested uh, actor, this would no longer be such a major issue. And people well, would just learn how to coexist and work with each other. Well, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd hope at least. Um, we would so, hope. <laughs> you'd hope. But, you know, part of this is because once it gets to these levels of policy, um, you're talking about it kind of at the, the, the least human level possible. It's, uh, it's part of the issue because 
you know, I, I think I might have talked to you about this before. One of the reasons I, I dislike talking about this question is because I have all kinds of friends and family members who are struggling Absolutely. with different things. And I think very differently about corporate agendas than I do about my buddy who's struggling, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And the, exactly. The, there, there are things that, you know, we can say and get into camps and, you know, get on loudspeakers and stand up in front of congressional committees and have bureaucratic meetings about. Um, but there are also pastoral questions about how do I help my person and my world to make the next right step that's healthy for them uh, to be taking. And once we reduce it this way, it makes it harder for me to have that conversation with somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I have these conversations all the time with my sister who's gay. So, I mean, I totally understand. And, you know, uh, that's why, I, you know, if you look at canon law, and that's really the perspective that I have to come from, it, canon 793 paragraph one talks about the fact that parents and those who take their place are bound by the obligation and possess the right of educating their offspring that catholic parents also have the duty and right of choosing those means and institutions through which they can provide more suitably for the catholic education of their children it also in paragraph two talks about the fact that civil society should be working with parents and providing them the freedom of options so that they can pursue the Catholic education of their children. So in this regards, you know, um, when a program from say Colorado provides a universal opportunity so that especially people who do not have the financial means are capable of providing uh, the education of their children how they see fit in accord with parental rights, then they should be able to pursue such. Yeah, it's a, uh, man, it's a, such a messy question. And uh, it's it's like when you involve more cooks, it just gets exactly. messy. Exactly. It gets messy. Well, Father Tangora, thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless, everybody. 16 Pass got headlines with Anna Mitchell next. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And all the people who are working so hard 
to get us on radio. You know, that's wonderful. And even if you reach 100 miles or 50 miles, you help spread the word. And we do all the programming for you. Programming is the expensive stuff, you know, so you don't have to worry about programming. And so we want to thank you for everything you've done to make this radio possible. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness to the people of Libya in the wake of catastrophic flooding that's left more than 5,000 people presumed dead in recent days. Meanwhile, the death toll stands at more than 2,900 people now killed after the devastating earthquake that rocked Morocco last week. And Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference and the peace envoy for the Pope in Ukraine, is going to go on a mission to China. Next newscast in about 11 minutes. Anna Mitchell, I want to go back to the Aaron Rodgers story for a moment. Okay. um, Because there's a strong Catholic angle here. So Aaron Rodgers, of course, out for the season with an Achilles tear, praying for his health and his recovery. Absolutely. Would hate for him to have to go out like that. Of course, he was longtime MVP Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Went over to the Jets, and there were some Packers fans who I think were not super happy about that. So there's this bar in Wisconsin on Monday night, and they said if Aaron Rodgers starts the game and the Jets lose, free drinks. Ooh. And so... Uh, the game began. Aaron Rodgers went out. First series gets injured. The bar erupts in cheers. And suddenly everybody's like running up their bar tabs because it's clear if Zach Wilson's behind center, the Jets don't stand a chance against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. So people start running up these bar tabs. And then they're cutting live back to the bar as the Jets score on an improbable kick return and win the game in a walk-off fashion. Oh, man. And they cut to the bar as everybody suddenly realized the tab they've been running up now has to was, be paid. Now has to be paid. And I was like, this is the greatest metaphor I've seen in a long time for sin. <laughs> like, well, sin is the illusion that you can just run up your bar you, tab yeah. and never have to pay it. And then if you... That's the gospel this weekend, Matt. It's like, oh, no. The bar should have, you know... Relieve the dead. Yeah. Oh, no. Grace. Every hour of every day, there's over 50 minutes of solid Catholic teaching on Sacred Heart Radio. Whether we're discussing the Catholic perspective on current issues, reflecting on the heroic life of a saint, or spending an hour in prayer, every hour of every day, Sacred Heart Radio is broadcasting the good news of our salvation through Jesus Christ because of the generosity of listeners like you. Thank you. To join in this mission, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality, diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com.
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Carlo Broussard. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. Listen to his Sunday Word podcast at MrSundayPodcast.com. And he wants to speak at your parish. Get over to CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com and invite him to speak. Carlo, good morning. Hey, good morning, Anna. It is good to have you back. We're continuing to uh, go into... Arguments made in transgender ideas in your book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. And I want to start off today kind of where we left off last time. We were talking about how our body and our soul make up who we are as human beings. How does that then lead us to understand that our biological sex matters? Yeah, so we were talking about the Aristotelian Thomistic view coming from Aristotle, St. Thomas Aquinas, of our human nature. That is, we are a body-soul composite. Our body and soul together make one substance, a human being. In contrast to another view that we labeled as Cartesian dualism coming from Rene Descartes, where we're like a ghost in the machine and the body's just accidental and has no bearing on my individuality as a human being. So what I do in the book, Anna, in this particular chapter, I offer a couple of arguments to support the former position, the Aristotelian Thomistic position, that the body and soul together make up one substance, me. Body and soul together make up one substance, you, Anna. All right, now... If the body and soul together make up the one substance that each of us is, it necessarily follows that our male or, in your case, female body together with our soul makes each of us who we are. Our male or female body is not an accident, not essential to our personal identity that we can change like our hair color, right? So – it, it all depends upon whether or not the body and soul together make up one substance. If that is the case, well, then it necessarily follows that our maleness or our femaleness together with our soul is going to make up who we are as an individual human being. And so that's the argument. So notice how this contemporary gender ideology is operating on a particular view of human nature, of the human being. So we're getting back to the basics here of trying to figure out what is human nature, what is a human being. And once we get that in place, then we'll be able to see whether transgenderism is true or false. And that's what I'm arguing in the book, of course, arguing that it is indeed false. Yeah, and so we're going to take a hard look at the logic or 
lack thereof when it comes yeah. to these transgender ideas. And just to to put it out there, we have to keep emotions at bay when talking about these things. I mean, this is not meant to denigrate any right. human being who is truly struggling with gender dysphoria. So with that in mind, Carlo, though, can you talk about the problems that crop up almost immediately when you look at transgenderism in light of that dualism you were just talking about that is the basis of transgender philosophy? Yeah, it's found in in the attempt to visibly conform to one's perceived gender identity. So take, for example, uh, the one named Bruce Jenner. So we'll go with Jenner here, right? Mm -hmm. So Jenner denies the connection between his biological sexual form and his gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. So he's a biological male, but he says he has the gender identity of being female. So notice the denial of the connection between the biological sexual form and gender identity. So he thinks the biological maleness doesn't indicate his gender identity. But at the same time, what is he doing? He seeks a connection between his gender identity, perceived gender identity of femaleness, and the biological sexual forms that he's trying to identify with, the female biological sexual form, right? Mm. And he's taking it on to try and match his female gender identity. So notice, Anna, this creates a contradiction. There's no connection between biological sex and gender identity. That's what he has to hold in order to start the the quote-unquote transitioning process, right? And yet he's affirming there is a connection between biological sex and gender identity at the same time and in the same respect. So contemporary gender ideology at its heart, whenever one tries to quote-unquote transition and try to make their sexual visible form match their perceived gender identity, they're denying the connection and they're affirming the connection at the same time Mm. and in the same respect. Yeah, that's a contradiction. Such a good point. Now, also, there's the problem of the question, Carlo, what is a woman? Right. Yes. And one of the major problems here is circular reasoning, because at the heart of contemporary gender ideology, the definition of a woman, as I point out in the book, in sourcing it in a variety of different cases, is a person who has the gender identity of being a woman. So a woman is a person who has the gender identity of being a woman. You see how that's circular? Well, wait a minute. What is a woman? A woman is a person who has the gender identity of being a woman. Well, I thought that's what we're trying to figure out in the first place. What is a woman? A woman is a person who has the gender identity of being a woman. That is not kosher logic, Anna. That's called circular reasoning. And so at the heart of contemporary gender ideology is yet another logical incoherence. Okay, we'll leave it there and pick it up the next time because there is so much more that you cover in this chapter on transgender ideology. Encourage folks to go pick up a copy of The New Relativism, which is from Catholic Answers Press. You can find it at shop.catholic.com and also linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Might be a good topic to have Carlo come speak about. CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com is where you can get in touch to invite Carlo to speak. Carlo, thank you so much. Anna, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. 
More than 5,000 people are presumed dead in Libya after catastrophic flooding that hit the North African country in recent days. Officials said yesterday another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. Pope Francis, for his part, has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Holy Father deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction caused by the flooding in the eastern part of Libya. Assures his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all those who mourn their loss. With these sentiments, the Pope sent his condolences to the people of Libya in a telegram signed by the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Perelin, and sent to the Apostolic Nuncio to Libya, Archbishop Savio Hon Taifa. According to Reuters news agency, Storm Daniel barreled across the Mediterranean into Libya, wiping out about a quarter of the country's eastern city of Derna after dams burst in a storm. At least a thousand bodies had already been recovered in the city of Derna alone, and officials expect the death toll to rise much higher. The Red Cross has said 10,000 people are feared to be missing across the country in floods. In his telegram, the Holy Father expressed his heartfelt spiritual closeness to the injured to those who fear for their missing loved ones and to the emergency personnel providing rescue and relief assistance. The Holy Father concluded by invoking divine blessings of consolation, strength, and perseverance upon all affected by the tragedy. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Meanwhile, in Morocco, more than 2,900 people have been killed after the earthquake that rocked the country last week and the death toll is still expected to rise The number of people injured is now above 5,500. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and Russian President Vladimir Putin are meeting in a rare occasion that has led some to believe military support for Russia's war in Ukraine is on the way. The two met Wednesday as Kim arrived at a spaceport in Russia's Amur region with video posted by an official Kremlin account showing the two smiling and shaking hands. It marks the first time since 2019 that Kim has visited Russia, as well as his first trip outside of North Korea in three years. The White House is insisting it is not giving money to Iran, despite a $6 billion transfer of funds to the regime. More from Mark Mayfield. The money was part of a recent prisoner swap involving five Americans. The Biden administration allowed banks to transfer the frozen Iranian cash that was previously off limits due to sanctions. The State Department says the money already belonged to Iran and the regime can only spend it on humanitarian needs. Republicans say that argument is absurd and there's no way to actually trace what Iran spends all of its money on. I'm Mark Mayfield. The state of Colorado is delaying the implementation of a ban on a type of abortion pill reversal treatment. The Colorado Medical Board voted last week to delay new rules that ban clinics from administering the medication that could reverse the effect of drug-induced abortion if taken in time. State lawmakers approved a bill earlier this year that claimed the use of the hormone progesterone to reverse abortions is an unprofessional practice. The state is being sued by an Englewood clinic over the new law, and the medical board cited that lawsuit in its decision. Any enforcement of the ban will be delayed until late October at the earliest. 
Tech leaders will be on Capitol Hill today to discuss artificial intelligence. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's prioritizing bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing AI technology. And federal grand jury has invited has indicted five former Memphis police officers in connection with the death of Tyree Nichols. The officers face multiple counts, including excessive force, conspiracy to witness tamper and obstruction of justice. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Support us from Solidarity Health Share. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. John Chrysostom. Wednesday, September the 13th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be really nice today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, a foggy start to the day, but then partly cloudy with a high of 74 today. Partly cloudy and comfortable tonight with an overnight low of 51. Another nice day tomorrow, sunny skies with a high of 74 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny skies today and a high of 72. Mostly clear tonight with areas of fog possible and an overnight low around 48. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 73 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download our app at sacredheartradio.com. Very happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Mike Schmitz. He is host of the Catechism in a Year podcast from Ascension Press. Father, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me back. Well, I know you are a little more than two-thirds of the way through the Catechism now on this podcast, having uh, recently started into part three of the Catechism on life in Christ. Now, uh, you kicked off this this whole section with a pretty epic conversation with Dr. Mary Healy. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It was incredible. Like she, she, uh, I, there were two things that I noticed about her, and I've, I've spoken with her before briefly, but as we sat down and she started speaking, that not only is she brilliant, I mean, she just knows so much. She teaches at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, at a number of her books, uh, but also she speaks with, just, I mean, she speaks with such, such authority. I mean, she really 
lives the gospel, and it's just it just comes through so so profoundly that I'm just I was I was very moved by just even our simple conversation. I know that this would be of interest even to folks who have not been tracking with you through this year in the catechism. Can you just give us some highlights of what you talked about? Yeah, so so there are four pillars to the catechism. The first is what we believe; it's the creed. The, the second is the sacraments, how we worship. The third is life in Christ or how we live morality, and the fourth which is coming up, is how we pray, so on, on prayer. So this third section, the third pillar, is on morality or life in Christ. And, and so this recognition, it, comes, it goes back to what, what, how are we called to live? So the first two pillars are remarkable because there's so much content. It's just incredible where you get to hear, like, here is who God really is, and here is what salvation is, and here is what faith is, and here is what Scripture and tradition, all these things. Um, here is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then also we get into the second pillar of worship and sacraments and just diving deeply into here is how God has called us to worship him and has called us to be in relationship with him. And then this third pillar is gets to be really challenging because this third pillar is, okay, all that being said, you know, because we can, we can kind of be challenged by concepts of God, right? So God is a trinity. Sure, sure, moving on, you know, yes. as opposed to really weighing that in. But it might not, and this is kind of one of the things, is I might acknowledge that God is a trinity of persons, one God, and that might not affect what I do with my free time. It might not affect uh, where I shop. It might not affect uh, how I choose to live my life. It might not affect the words I use. And then we hit this life in Christ, this third pillar, morality, and it's all about the fact that, okay, because of all these, because all these things are true, because God has called us into covenant relationship with him, that has to make an impact, has to, make it, has, to, has to change the way we actually go about our daily lives. And so this is the, it's, it's one of the, it's all, it's all challenging, but this is one of the, the more challenging pillars. Right. So when we look at the introduction to part three in the catechism, it says in, in paragraph 1698, the first and last point of reference is Christ himself. Why is that such an important concept for us to keep in mind for us as Christians? Oh, yeah, I, that's a, such a wonderful question. And also, what a great, a great quote to, to highlight. It's because um, we recognize that following Jesus is not about following the rules, that there are, there are obviously, uh, rules. There is, there's, there's things called the Ten Commandments, and there's ten of them, um, that, that God has said, okay, this is how, this is what a good life, this is what a life well lived is. And, this, and also, here's a way to live that you can actually make a shipwreck of your life by, by avoiding following these commandments, by actually violating these, these commandments. But what's the goal? The goal is life in Christ. The goal is Jesus. He is the beginning, he's the middle, he's the end. In fact, it's fascinating. I just I recorded the last two episodes of the third pillar. Oh, wow. I'm not too far ahead, but, and, and it reminds us in that, in those last just couple paragraphs, it reminds us that the whole point is the ability, or not just the ability, the, the gift of being able to see God. And the last, you know, essentially three paragraphs of this whole section on the third pillar of the catechism is that it remains for us here in this world to struggle with God's grace to obtain the good things God promises. And, and, and because of it, this is not just, again, about being good. It's not just about uh, following the rules. It's about being transformed in such a way that we actually 
look like Jesus on this earth. We live like Jesus on this earth. We love like Jesus on this earth so that we can be with him forever in eternity. He's the reference point for all of this. So with the whole part three of the catechism now at least solidified in your mind, having recorded them all, I know they're not all out yet, but you know, right. we, we learn in, in Romans chapter eight, we as Christians, we are baptized into Christ. And at the end of this introductory segment, it quotes Philippians, for me to live is Christ. What does that yeah. mean to you now, having gone through this whole part three of the catechism, living a life in Christ? Well, yeah, you know, it, it's, this is it's so beautiful, too, because that is, those are, those are I don't want to say classic uh, memory verses, but I was just praying this morning. <laughs> it's just so fascinating you're saying this. I was just praying this morning, but we used to, we thought we have a holy hour every morning with our students yeah. and with our, our focused missionaries. And one of the things we used to do at the end of our holy hour was we all had these memory verses. And the, the idea is, is that here's verse, I want to, I want to commit them so, so fully to memory that I don't just know them by head. I know them by heart mm-hmm. that, and, and one of those lines was, for to me, uh, to live is Christ and death is gain. And that is I, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this is, this is so key because we recognize that, as Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow, and follow after me. Um, but that term to deny oneself doesn't just mean to deny oneself things. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up this uh, you know, chocolate for lunch, or I'm, I'm going to deny myself, you know, I, I'm really attracted towards this sin, but I'm going to deny myself for the sake of Jesus. To deny oneself, actually, in that original Greek, means to disown. Like, I'm going to actually renounce any claim I have on myself oh, wow. in order to live for Christ. And so, as St. Paul says, yeah, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Like, for me to live is Christ. Why? Because I have disowned any claim I have to my own life, to my time, to my relationships, to my freedom, to my intellect, will, all these things, it's his. And, and, and this, this section of the Catechism is so beautifully challenging because it reminds us that the call to discipleship is nothing less than that. It's not just the call to do hard things or the call to avoid certain pleasures. It is the call truly, truly to disown any claim I have on myself and live for Jesus. So beautifully put. We've been talking to Father Mike Schmitz, and you can find his Catechism in a Year podcast if you're one of the few who are not tracking with him. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You bet. And we're actually going to have a couple more conversations with Father Mike Schmitz in the upcoming weeks to uh, cover some of those topics on our life in Christ that he's been unpacking in the podcast. Very much looking forward to that. Mike Aquilina joins us next. It's quarter till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. 
Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. This is Dr. David Anders. Does the problem of evil keep you from believing in God? Join us for Called to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya after catastrophic flooding has left more than 5,000 people dead and another 10,000 believed to be missing. Meanwhile, the death toll now stands at more than 2,900 in Morocco and is still expected to rise as rescue and recovery efforts from a massive earthquake continue. And Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, who is the Pope's special envoy for peace in Ukraine, is going to be sent to China soon. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, September 13th. From fathersofthechurch.com, Mike Aquilina now joins us to take a look at the life and witness of St. John Chrysostom. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. You know, it's hard to know exactly where to begin with St. John Chrysostom because his life uh, is so fascinating. Uh, It's lengthy. His writings are so voluminous. The stuff that he got involved with uh, was so edifying and also controversial. (laughs) Um, I mean, can you give us just a brief snapshot, the hotel elevator pitch of what we should know about john chrysostom <laughs> it's it, it's really hard to do uh you're you're correct uh, he had the kind of life you know that, that 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 doesn't make you say it would make a great movie it makes you say it would make seven great movies uh he he really was well educated got the best education possible um he was the son of a um of of, of a roman official and it seemed like he was destined for public life but no in when he was a teen a very gifted teen uh he stepped off that ivy league track and he he uh became an ascetic living in the wilderness committing the scriptures to memory and uh and and really going to extremes in his fasting and in his prayer eventually he wore down his health came back to the city of antioch and there in short order he was ordained a deacon and uh and became very popular as a preacher in the city so much that he ain't he earned that name chrysostom which means golden mouth it's his, it was his nickname but it stuck and if you look at all of Christian history, he's the only preacher who really 
bears that tag, who, who's carried it through the millennia. So he's a, he's a remarkable figure. Eventually, he became bishop of the capital city of the empire in Constantinople, and, and there he got himself into some trouble that eventually led to his demise. It's a really dramatic life. It's an exciting life when you read it, um, but, uh, but it, was, it was kind of a sad ending to his life. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that aspect of uh, his experience uh, because, you know, very often, Mike, we'll we'll look around our church today and we'll see someone who has, um, you know, a calm personality, a, a pastor who is uh, good with managing a whole bunch of different and varied personalities, who is even tempered and doesn't say anything controversial. And you think, well, that guy'd make a good bishop. Um, you wouldn't say such things about John Chrysostom, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, no sane person ever called him a diplomat. He was a rhetorician, and he was good at it. And not only that, but he was a rhetorician who was committed not to evading the truth, but to stating it in a memorable way so that people were changed by it. He really did preach um, the, uh, the universal call to holiness. He believed that everyone in his congregation could be a saint if they just accepted the grace of God. And so he preached about the things of their lives, things that were important to them, about marriage and sex and home life, all of these things that were important to the people in his congregation. And he did change lives. Um, now, you know, he got himself into trouble by by believing that he could apply such gifts, such rhetoric, such language to the royal family, to the imperial household, and especially uh, to the empress Eudoxia. Uh, he 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 made some references in his preaching that were certainly aimed at her, and everybody knew it. And uh, and he kind of caught the momentum once he saw that people responded to to such preaching you know if he preached boldly they responded uh but again then you're you're uh you're 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 playing with fire uh because you're angering the royal household and they have all the power and he brought down all of the power of the empire on his own head yeah and uh he paid for it dearly in in so many ways but you know i mean, it finds i find it fascinating because normally if you are uh, a bishop, you have a lot of things to manage. You got to take care of the poor in your diocese, right? And to yes, do that, yes. often you have to uh, figure out a way to work with the rich. And uh, yes. sometimes people do that by buttering up the rich a little bit. He did not butter up the rich. I mean, he called some serious repentance on these people who were living in luxury and ignoring the poor. Yes, you know, he called them to repentance, just as he called everyone else to repentance. Nobody got a pass in John's preaching. Uh, he called them to better behavior during the liturgy. If he saw sin, he named it. He named it, and he called people to change. Um, well, the Empress Eudoxia eventually uh, wanted him gone, and she she enlisted, it's sad to say, um, the help of some prominent churchmen uh, to— um, to to bring him down and there was kind of a trumped up synod uh that he was he was is supposed to supposed to attend and uh did not but the uh the judges at the synod who were selected by her and by her ally Theophilus of Alexandria condemned John on various uh illegitimate charges and John was exiled and he was brought back eventually because there was an outcry from the people but he was very soon afterward, exiled again, and then sent into even deeper exile, um, where he died from the harsh conditions. 
And uh, that's a, a, a tragic end to a, a powerful and important life. But it didn't take long for people to take notice of him. And people have that's continued right. to take notice of him to the present day. I was just looking up a little article. I was trying to figure out who all has a Feast of St. John Chrysostom on their calendar. Well, that'd be us, the Catholics, <laughs> but also the Eastern Orthodox, uh, the Assyrian Church of the East, the Ancient Church of the East, the Anglican Communion. The Anglicans have him on their calendar. The Lutherans have John Chrysostom on their calendar. So it seems to me that he may have, you know, ended on poor terms in his day, but uh, the long game he has been on the right side of. Well, there's a saying, you know, the only real tragedy is not to be a saint. And I think John had that sense at the end of his life. He didn't die in sadness. His last words reportedly were glory to God in all things. And he was giving glory to God to the very end. And he was venerated soon afterwards. It was it was the successor of the emperor who condemned him, who received his relics back into Constantinople, restored his names to the diptychs that were used in the liturgy. and. Um, and and began the veneration of John in earnest. And it continues to this day, uh, it, as you point out, among all Christians. Well, you have several, several resources out there, out there on St. John Chrysostom if our listeners want to learn more about him and read some of his incredible works. Uh, where can we find uh, some of the things you've written and uh, produced about St. John Chrysostom? Fathersofthechurch.com It's always at uh, sunrisemorningshow.com. Anna Mitchell today, again, a saint that many communions celebrate, the golden-mouthed. It's also a day that I'm celebrating as Freddie's birthday. Four years old today, and I think he's in the car on his way to school right now. So I want to say happy birthday, Freddie. See you in a couple hours. Okay. We got a cake that we're bringing to school. Ooh. Well, that's always goes, fun. It's the birthday celebration Montessori style. So you sing the earth goes round the sun and yeah. I don't know that one. Stuff. You don't know the, the earth goes round the sun. The earth goes round the sun. It takes a year. Your birthday's here. The earth goes round the sun. You don't know the one? That's all it is. Uh, I got to say that uh, oh, well. of all the quirky things I know about Montessori, I don't know that one. I, well, I don't know if the song... Of course, we maybe also it's don't just, do a Montessori school as a family, <laughs> maybe, so... Maybe it's just our particular classroom's tradition maybe to sing that an, song, but I think the Earth Goes Around the Sun thing, they, like, light a candle, and the kid holds one of the globes, the sandpaper globes, and walks around the sun. Do you have time. to... S- okay, so the Earth Goes Around the Sun. Yeah. I guess you really only sing it once, right? For huh? a year? Yeah, per year. Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll be back tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. Michael Vanderberg will share the latest news from Dayton St. Vincent de Paul. Ed Clancy will discuss the ongoing persecution of Christians around the world, especially in Africa. I'll talk about the life of St. John Chrysostom, his frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this feast of St. John Chrysostom this Wednesday, the 13th of September, praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Open our ears that we may hear and live. By your word, you carved creation out of chaos. Create in us a faithful order of life. By your word, Lord, you brought light from darkness and stilled the storm. Enlighten and quiet us to hear your voice in the midst of daily life. By your word, you healed the sick and raised the dead to life. Give new life to all who live in the shadow of death. O God, you speak the word of life through the eloquence of the faithful servants whom you called to proclaim the good news of salvation. By the example and intercession of St. John Chrysostom, raise up courageous and convincing preachers in our day to stir faith to life, to heal the brokenhearted, and to offer new life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we'll talk to Laura Streetman from, Streetman, Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life with a pro-life news update. Father Frank Donio 
continues to look at the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pallotti. We'll get more on today's saint, St. John Chrysostom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. And then uh, Father John Gavin will talk about Jesus as fully human and what the Church Fathers had to say about that. Of course, the Catechism quotes the Church Fathers on this very question. So, stay with us if you can. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya in the wake of catastrophic flooding in the country. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead after flooding hit the North African country in recent days. Mark Mayfield has more. Officials said on Tuesday that another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with the Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. The city of Derna, one of the worst-hit areas, has been declared a disaster zone. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See sent a telegram to Libya's apostolic nuncio from the Holy Father. It said the... The Pope was deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction and assured those affected of those affected of his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all who mourn their loss. He also expressed his heartfelt closeness to those who were injured, to those fear, who feared for missing loved ones and for all rescue and relief workers. Meanwhile, more than 2,900 people have been killed after the earthquake that rocked Morocco last week, and the death toll is still expected to rise. The number of people injured is now above 5,500. Cardinal Matteo Zuppi, the president of the Italian Bishops' Conference and the Pope's Special Envoy for Peace in Ukraine, has addressed the ongoing war in Ukraine on the sidelines of an international meeting in Berlin. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Cardinal Zuppi emphasized the need to find a solution to the war in Ukraine, highlighting the importance of distinguishing between the aggressor and the victim. He also discussed his peace mission entrusted to him by Pope Francis, which has already taken him to Ukraine, Russia, and the United States. The Cardinal stressed the importance of working towards a just and secure peace involving key players like China, where he will travel for a three-day visit on Wednesday. Cardinal Zuppi reiterated that true peace cannot be imposed, emphasizing the role of Ukrainians in determining their own path to peace. Peace, he said, requires the effort of everyone, but it is never something that can be imposed by anyone. It must be the peace chosen by Ukrainians with the guarantees, commitment, and effort of everyone. Regarding recent tensions with Kiev, following a speech by Pope Francis to young Russians in St. Petersburg, Cardinal Zuppi expressed confidence that these issues would be resolved, highlighting the Church's and the Pope's support for Ukraine in times of suffering. The Cardinal also echoed Pope Francis's desire for a creative peace to explain how the paths of peace itself are sometimes unpredictable and require the commitment and involvement of all and a great alliance for peace. In response to criticism about the pace of diplomacy, Cardinal Zuppi defended the importance of taking action and attempting to make a difference. If you do nothing but fail, you do nothing, he said, adding that it is always better to try. Peace added the Cardinal should come right away, or better yet, it should be the condition in which one lives. Cardinal Zuppi concluded by calling for patience and concerted efforts to rebuild what division, violence, and injustice have torn apart. 
patience is needed, he said, to let the times mature and to know how to seize them, always recalling that peace must come, and it must come immediately, as soon as possible. I'm Devin Watkins. The Department of Justice is filing an appeal to the Supreme Court asking them to end the legal battle over mifepristone. The abortion pill has been the subject of a nationwide legal fight. The Justice Department filed the appeal Friday, urging the Supreme Court to maintain broad access to the abortion drug. The paperwork claimed this case marks the first time a court has ever overlooked the, quote, expert judgment of the FDA. Challengers have said the drug was improperly approved. The move from the Justice Department came just hours after the manufacturers of Mifepristone filed a similar appeal. Tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill today to discuss artificial intelligence. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing technology. And city officials have named Cincinnati's next fire chief. The job goes to current assistant chief of the Dallas Fire Rescue Department, Frank McKinley. McKinley was one of four finalists up for the post. That group included interim fire chief Stephen Breitfelder, who has held the role since the firing of former chief Michael Washington. Coming up from Dallas. Wow. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Well, last night was... uh... Exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, Reds edged the Detroit Tigers 6-5 to five in extra innings from Comerica Park. Tyler Stevenson laced an RBI single in the top of the 10th. That gave Cincinnati the lead while Buck Farmer pitched a clean bottom half of uh, the ninth or 10th inning, excuse me, to uh, lock up the save. Alexis Diaz earned the win after striking out a batter in the ninth inning. Jonathan India, Harrison Bader, each drove in a pair of runs for Cincinnati who climb a game back of the uh, third wild card spot. So everyone the Reds needed to lose yesterday, Anna Mitchell, they all lost. So that's uh, that is exactly this is helpful. It was uh, a lot of teams, in fact. The, so the Cubs lost, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Marlins all lose. You can't uh, can't ask for can't much. Can't get better. any better than that. Can't get any better than <laughs> that, especially when uh, the Reds win. So Reds mm-hmm. still got to keep it going. We'll uh, play again in Detroit. Bengals moving on from offensive linemen. Lael Collins, uh, and that is a, a surprising move. The mm. lineman signed with the uh, Bengals last offseason and started 15 games, though he was on the uh, pup list, which is the uh, play, uh, what is it? Physically unable to perform list. So um, the pup list. Yeah, real, a real that shame. Sounds so cute. It does, but it's really not. You know, yeah. it's not ideal. But I'm not uh, sure that anything is really cute when it involves the NFL. But. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit rough world up there in the uh, in the NFL. I I haven't uh, I haven't made it, but they they are uh, giving uh, the one punter when uh, the Jets won the game. They're giving him like the worst tackle award. Mm-hmm. But that's not fair because a you're the punter, and I thought he was tr- he's just trying to strip the ball. And the guy was already at, like, the 10-yard line anyway, so the game's over. So, uh-huh. I mean, he's it's a business decision. Sorry, you know? I'm distracted. Listeners know that we are moving to video soon here on the Sunrise Morning right. Show. And so the angle of your camera that I am looking at right now on oh, my no. screen. Oh, 
I gives me a very here. good view of the cheek that oh. got hit by a softball. Oh, thank you. So I'm seeing the uh, the bruise there. Yeah. How you feeling? Feels Doing good. Okay? Hey, yeah. I, I sound the same, don't I? You do sound the same. That's the most important part. Okay. For the radio listeners. Right, just making sure. I Matt talked it. about how you got hit in the face. <laughs> I got to learn to duck. Yes, I heard. <laughs> Let's get to traffic before I get made fun of anymore. These are all the things, folks, that you will be able to enjoy starting September 25th when Sunrise goes live to video stream. Good news is you're on that camera more than I am, so. Well, hopefully that bruise, you know, is completely gone by September 25th. You and me both. Let's get to traffic. Traffic, a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Hopefully no cars have bruises on them. Oh, my gosh. We have quite a few accidents to report, actually. Northbound, we'll start in the Dayton area. Northbound 75 got an accident that is blocking the left two lanes at uh, Dixie Highway, which is pushing you back past the 675 interchange. Also have, well, it's an earlier accident. Apparently, they've cleared it up now. Southbound 75 just before Wagner Ford. But the backup is yet to burn off. You're backed up toward I-70. Now, looking in the Cincinnati area, there's an accident blocking the left lane of westbound 275 at US-42. And uh, slow traffic in uh, before and after that accident as you're moving westbound at the bottom of the loop, uh, northbound 7175. You're going to be slow from Burlington Pike up to the cut in the hill. Northbound 471, slowing from 275 up to the Big Mac Bridge. Southbound 75, start, uh, we'll start at the northern ends of it in the Cincinnati area. Slowing from Union Center Boulevard down toward the Norwood Lateral. And then you're slowing again as you approach downtown. Uh, northbound 75 slowing from 74 up toward Ronald Reagan and southbound 71. You're on the brakes from Fields Hurdle to the Norwood Lateral. A lot of traffic to get to. Good thing the weather report is easy. It's going to be nice, like nice fall weather today and tomorrow. Partly cloudy skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 74. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 51. Another nice day tomorrow, partly cloudy skies and a high of 74. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny today and a high of 72. Mainly clear tonight with some areas of fog possible and an overnight low around 48. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow with a high of 73 degrees. Today is Wednesday, September the 13th. It is the Feast of St. John Chrysostom, Bishop, Doctor of the Church. Pray for us. Fourth birthday of my baby boy, Freddie. Happy birthday, Freddie, if you're still in the car on the way to school. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is our pro-life correspondent, Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life. Laura, good morning. Good morning. Well, of course, in Ohio, we are all looking at issue one and all of the money that is coming in from out of state um, for trying to get people to pass issue one. And I understand there's a new commercial that has been airing this week. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Right. So let's begin with a warning to all listeners. The Ohio abortion supporters have launched 
a television commercial this week that will confuse viewers and confuse big time. Um, they've spent close to $700,000, and they're doing it in what they call the three big C's, so Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, which is, of course, where mm-hmm. most of their votes come from. Uh, and this is what the abortionists do best. They call abortion a personal medical decision in the ad, and they even talk about needing faith to make the decision for abortion in Ohio. And to provide even more scandal, there is an image of the Divine Mercy as a person prays in a chapel in the commercial. Really? So, yes. So if dismembering preborn children wasn't horror-filled enough, they use our Lord's image to promote their abortion propaganda. Wow. Um, so just everyone be warned. The commercial is slick. Please understand what's on the ballot and up for vote in Ohio. It's full-term dismemberment abortion for any reason that's on the, the ballot November 7th. And this commercial is just misinformation as it speaks to needing the amendment to ensure miscarriage care in Ohio. It even talks about that. Yes, and I wanted you to address this. I think it is one point on issue one, this proposed amendment, that I think a lot of people are confused about. So can you unpack what issue one says and and what actually would happen? Yes. So you asked last week that we talk about the confusion on miscarriage care and ectopic pregnancy care in Ohio under current laws. And let's all be clear that the best weapon, again, the father of lies, um, who rules the abortion industry has, is confusion. And, well, you know, big fat lies, which it's a lie that there's no miscarriage care or ectopic pregnancy care. Mm -hmm. So the laws in Ohio, and in fact, every other state in America, permit miscarriage care and ectopic pregnancy care for women. There's not one state that does not permit that. Um, in a miscarriage, which is always very, very sad, as it's the loss of a child, uh, the child has passed away in the womb or is in the process of dying. And always it's legal to treat a woman for this very sad situation, as miscarriage care is absolutely not an abortion, not even close. And this is true for ectopic pregnancy as well. So an ectopic pregnancy or a tubal pregnancy Um, is when the newly conceived child, which is conceived inside the fallopian tube, it does not travel outside the tube, and it begins and continues to develop there. And this is always deadly for the child. No baby has ever, ever survived in the history of the world. There's no medical procedure to move the baby from the tube to the Mm -hmm. implant on the wall of the uterus. And if this is not treated, it's deadly for the mother, and the tube is considered um, a diseased organ when they treat this. So it's always legal. Yeah, and And even Catholic hospitals can perform this. It is not considered an abortion to treat a woman who has an ectopic pregnancy. No, absolutely not. But it's a talking point the other side has been able to grab onto. You know, fear monger, they find what women are afraid of. Oh, I won't be able to get miscarriage care or, you know, that's just not, there's not even, it's so ridiculous. It's, there's nothing about it that's even close to being true. Yeah. So Um, can you talk more about the current law and medical intervention for women in these kind of situations? Sure, sure. So the current law says in order to prevent the death of a pregnant woman or to avoid a serious risk of the substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. So to say women are already protected from harm or death. 
due to those rare circumstances that we just talked about. Um, and when continuing a pregnancy becomes an acute threat under the current law. So Cincinnati Right to Life, Annie, has an excellent article by a Catholic OBGYN on our website. We just put it up over the weekend, and it can be shared by email, on social media. Please, everyone, share this truth and counter the lies from those trying to advance abortion in Ohio, because there is just no truth to what they say. None. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is this yep. is all really good information to have. So thank you so much uh, for, for doing that research for us, Laura. And again, you can find Cincinnati Right to Life linked at sunrisemorningshow.com to go find that article that she was just talking about. And I mean, obviously, we as Catholics are praying for Ohio right now. And there's a there's a big novena that is uh, that's starting this week, I believe. You are absolutely right. Um, so the 54-day novena, so uh, for protecting life in Ohio, begins this Friday. It's through the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and you can sign up on the Archdiocesan website if you just do an internet search for Archdiocese of Cincinnati 54-day novena. It will come right up, um, and we need to all be joining together in prayer, praying the rosary every day for 54 straight days. So Friday marks 54 days until the election. The Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Correct. The Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. And just think, we'll be praying during um, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary and uh, Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Victory, all of these many feast days between now and the election. And we need the Blessed Mother, and um, it would just be great if every listener could join us. We need this campaign wrapped in prayer to keep full-term abortion out of Ohio. Absolutely. And then we have 40 Days for Life coming up pretty soon. Right, right. That kicks off, and we actually really have an honored guest coming to Cincinnati on Tuesday, September 26th at 7 p.m., Ramona Trevino. She's a former director of A Planned Parenthood. But she brings a message of great hope and truth as we work to end abortion and obviously defeat this defeat this amendment to keep abortion out of Ohio. Um, We hope you can join us again. That's Tuesday, September 26th. And then the full campaign begins September 27th and runs through November 5th, just two days before the election. Wow. Wow. That's I know. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's an important God's time lining to be up praying. a lot of things. Right. <laughs> the Absolutely. Lord is in charge. That's for sure. Absolutely. And then um, I know some dates for state marches for life have um, have been coming out and Ohio will be having another one. Right. Friday, October 6th is the Ohio March for Life. This is organized by the National March for Life, which, of course, we march every January to honor the horror of Roe versus Wade in America. But when Roe was overturned, they began these statewide marches, and ours is October 6th, a Friday, which will be so timely, again, to gather and show the state of Ohio stands against having abortion enshrined into our Constitution. And once again, just uh, put out the reminder for folks who want to come join us for the golden anniversary of uh, Cincinnati Right to Life. Right, October 19th, Thursday night, and it's always great. You get to be with Annie in person, everyone. Love it. So we hope you can, yep, put that on your calendar and join us. Awesome. And you can find Cincinnati Right to Life, again, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to the executive director, Laura Streetman. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, it's 21 past. We're back with traffic and weather right after this. Married couples, this fall, we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. 
Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at AFC.org. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. 23 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Starting in the Dayton area, still got the left two lanes blocked with an accident on northbound 75 at Dixie Highway. You are backed up past the 675 interchange. Looks like the other accident I reported in Dayton on southbound 75 and the backup behind it has all cleared. So you're moving free and clear on South 75 in Dayton now. Uh, in the Cincinnati area, still trying to clean up an accident on the right shoulder at westbound 275 and Turkey Foot with uh, some slow traffic before and after it. Northbound 7175 on the brakes from Turfway up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471. A little bit better, slowing from Alexandria Pike up to the river. And then on the Ohio side of things, southbound 71, still slowing from uh, Fields Ertle down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75, still slow as you head through the Lachlan Split. Now for weather. Partly cloudy skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 74. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 51. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 74. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny today and a high of 72. Mainly clear tonight with some fog possible and an overnight low of 48. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 73 degrees. Father Frank Donio joins us next. It's 24 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. 
Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith, with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's always great to catch up with Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. CatholicApostolateCenter.org is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, welcome back. Good morning, Matt. So we've been talking about the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati. Of course, he's the founder of the order that you're a part of. And uh, there's some great stuff in his story about uh, really the idea of faith and works uh, in harmony with one another, um, not just being a doer of the, I mean, uh, not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. I mean, how big of an emphasis was this in the life of St. Vincent Pilati? He believed that every, everyone was called to be an apostle. And so those uh, people of faith were called to live as apostles. And we have to understand this is the 1830s in Rome. And that understanding, which is very common, a common understanding today within the church, certainly was not then. And he himself was out in the streets. He would preach out in the streets. He would be with the poor. He believed in reviving faith and rekindling charity because he just saw what people were doing to one another. He saw the effects of revolution. He saw the effects of of people just throwing off their faith. And so he, he wanted Catholics to live as apostles, to be able to go forth. And that included priests, because he really worked closely with, with seminarians and priests to be faithful with religious. He was spiritual director of many different convents and, and worked with many different religious communities. And he especially wanted lay people to live in this way. Well, as I look through uh, the portal that you have over at the Catholic Apostle Center that really kind of run down, runs down the life of St. Vincent Pilati, and I look at some of the things he was involved in, and I think about how many of these things we just are content to have sort of government programs for and not be involved in as a church a lot of the times, um, dealing with the poor, the sick, um, you know, dealing with people who have lost their parents, homeless shelters, uh, helping soldiers who've come back from battle, um, helping workers to, you know, have better working conditions and balance their life and their work better, working with prisoners, <laughs> you know, all these things. You know, I think sometimes we are content to say, oh, there's a program for that. And it does not seem to me that St. Vincent Pilati was was content to handle, to, to turn the work of the church over to somebody else. Well, to this day, the church is involved in all of those things through Catholic charities, through its various, uh, through prison ministries, through all sorts of different ministries that the, that the church conducts to this day. Pilati, though, did, did all of those things and many others because there was this need. He, be, he believed that, that we could work together. He was very, in many ways, very entrepreneurial. And he believed that he could gather people together to take care of uh, the needs of other people. And that, and that was really 
uh, he, he didn't try to just do this on his own. He was out in the streets with others and care and doing these things, but he, he didn't believe that this was an individual thing. He could get people together. And then often he would step out of the way. And he, many times he didn't put his name on these things. It wasn't about him. It was about the infinite glory of God. That's what it was about. And yeah, think, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, maybe what I'm getting at as I'm trying to think about my own weaknesses in this area is how easy it is for me to say, well, this is being handled, <laughs> right? And point to somebody else who's handling it. And it, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, as you talk about what he's emphasizing is that this idea of being involved in your own uh, you know, sort of charitable acts, uh, this this idea of it's not enough to say, you know, be warm, be well fed. It's, you know, we're all kind of all called to do this. You know, this is coming from an evangelical background. It was sort of, you know, the basic air that we breathe that, all right, you know, you prayed the prayer. Now let's get you involved. And, uh, you know, it seems to me like St. Vincent Pilate was trying to speak uh, not just to the people of his day, but the people of our day that, you know, it's not enough for you to say, I'm a baptized person and I go to mass. I mean, there's more to it than that. No, there's, and there always has been. And, and I think that that is one of the beauties of Catholicism. And, that, and that's why we do all of these. People will say, well, why do you do these? Why, does, why do Catholics do these things? You know, other, some other communities, they'll expect that people will assent to faith by, by the various charitable works that are done. Catholicism does not do that. We are about the, the care and dignity of the human person from conception to natural death. And so therefore Catholics are called, and Pilate was a witness to this and, and organized this, Catholics are called to engage in, in this way, not just simply individually. There's all kinds of opportunities that are there that I think, you know, because people maybe just simply go to their own parish, they don't even realize that. But there's probably opportunities within their own parish that, that are possibilities. There are groups, Knights of Columbus are one of the, one of the groups that, that I certainly work with. And part of the reason is, is that here's a group of lay people who are trying to not only evangelize by their, by their lives, but, but through their charity. So there are all these opportunities that are there. And Pilate tried to, to emphasize that uh, in a significant way as an apostle. Yeah, I think that people would probably be surprised if they read far enough to the back of the bullets and how many opportunities do exist in their own backyards, <laughs> right? How yes. many committees yeah. only have like three or four people involved in them and it's the same three or four people on all the committees uh, and that the, the opportunities really are there in our own communities and in our own parishes. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can, we can kind of coast or we can really, you know, see what the need is. And it, I think because of the variety too, I mean, it gives us an opportunity to see what those different gifts are. I mean, not every one of us is a St. Vincent Pilate who has, you know, sort of those skills in every single area, as it seems, pastorally, but we've all got something. Yes, exactly. And whole families can do some of these things. This could be a family. I, I know families who do that. That, And it, it, it's a beautiful way for the families to also witness their faith by by caring for others. and And then they start to realize, oh, it's not all about me myself and I in a very sometimes individualistic society. Well, how am I caring for the community? How am I caring for the people who are right around me? Well, and that's one of the great things about, for example, St. Vincent de Paul societies, right? Because the first mission of the St. Vincent de Paul society in your area is to help the people in your area, right? Yes, so, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, well, Vincent Pilati, what a great model uh, in regard to this. I know we're going to hit other aspects of his spirituality, but what a great encouragement today to just go and even click around our parish website and see what the opportunities are. Uh, because if we're baptized, we're on mission. So uh, if our listeners want to see more about Vincent Pilati at the Catholic Apostolate Center and your order, how do they do so, Father? Just go to catholicapostolatecenter.org. catholicapostolatecenter.org. they got a whole Pilati portal over there. It's pretty cool. We do Thanks, indeed. Father. Have a great Take day. Care. God bless. All right. We got news. It's 33 past. Good morning. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead in Libya after catastrophic flooding hit the North African country in recent days. Officials said yesterday another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. Pope Francis has expressed his closeness with the people of Libya. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Holy Father deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction caused by the flooding in the eastern part of Libya. Assures his prayers for the souls of the deceased and all those who mourn their loss. With these sentiments, the Pope sent his condolences to the people of Libya in a telegram signed by the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Perelin, and sent to the Apostolic Nuncio to Libya, Archbishop Savio Hom Taifai. According to Reuters news agency, Storm Daniel barreled across the Mediterranean into Libya, wiping out about a quarter of the country's eastern city of Derna after dams burst in a storm. At least a thousand bodies had already been recovered in the city of Derna alone, and the Officials expect the death toll to rise much higher. The Red Cross has said 10,000 people are feared to be missing across the country in floods. In his telegram, the Holy Father expressed his heartfelt spiritual closeness to the injured, to those who fear for their missing loved ones, and to the emergency personnel providing rescue and relief assistance. The Holy Father concluded by invoking divine blessings of consolation, strength, and perseverance upon all affected by the tragedy. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. More than 2,900 people have been killed now after the earthquake that rocked Morocco last week. The death toll is still expected to rise. The number of people injured is now above 5,500. Hurricane Lee might be heading for New England later this week. The National Hurricane Center says as of 5 a.m. Eastern, the Category 3 storm was about 470 miles south of Bermuda with winds of 115 miles per hour and had hurricane-force winds extending out over 100 miles. Forecasters say Lee will start turning north later today and increase in speed by Thursday and is on track to reach New England or eastern Canada by late this week, possibly. Lee is also expected to create dangerous rip currents and surf conditions at beaches along the east coast. The White House is insisting the U.S. is not giving money to Iran despite a $6 billion transfer of funds to the regime. More from Mark Mayfield. The money was part of a recent prisoner swap involving five Americans. The Biden administration allowed banks to transfer the frozen Iranian cash that was previously off limits due to sanctions. The State Department says the money already belonged to Iran and the regime can only spend it on humanitarian needs. Republicans say that argument is absurd, and there's no way to actually trace what Iran spends all of its money on. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the most unusual thing about the Texans lost to the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. Paul, did you hear this? He hasn't heard this. The final score of 25 
to nine. That particular score is a scoregami had never been seen before in the history of the NFL. And yes, that is known as a scoregami between them. The Texas and the Texans and the Ravens have produced seven of the league's 30 scoregamis since 2019. Wow. Okay. So, no, I did not hear that. I did know of the term scoregami. How does one and get I did to know... 25? 20, what, like uh, as a score? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be ugly. It's okay, gotta be... so it's like. I mean, 25, that's that's, that's the like... beauty of, okay. of the scoregami. 25 would be like three sixes plus seven. No. What's six plus seven? Maybe. Uh, that's 23. No. Maybe 18. Be... You want to go 18 and then uh, and then yeah, uh, 18 six? Pl- well, yeah, 18 plus seven. So plus seven. There it would go. be like three touchdowns without an extra point plus one touchdown with an extra point. I was, yeah. Or one touchdown with an extra point. And I was thinking six field goals. Six field goals. Yeah, I was. I was thinking the worst case scenario: six field goals, and then a and touchdown, touchdown, and with an extra with, point. with a missed extra point. Oh, with, with the full with the extra point. See, that's fun. It's fun. I did, I like. How sc- did they? What was it? I got a what? Box. Oh. Is it called a box score in football? Yeah, figure out the box score. I could pull that box up. Score Texans. You I mean, do that I, while you do the sports report, and I'll look up. What was the actual how, way how, that the Texans... How it became. Yeah. Sure thing. Okay. Well, we'll... Uh, we'll Sports. S- we'll start with uh, baseball. Well, hang on. Brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Now go ahead. On the web at beaconortho.com. Of course, uh, Reds edged the Tigers yesterday, 6-5 in extra innings. It was exciting. Reds also got a lot of help from everybody. Cubs lost, Giants lost, Diamondbacks lost. If we wanted them to lose... They lost yesterday, other than the Brewers, but they actually had to beat the Marlins. So, you know, that 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 pays off. How about this? Ohio State Buckeyes, they've officially named their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Ryan Day announced on Tuesday that Kyle McCord will remain the team signal caller going forward. The number four Buckeyes take on Western Kentucky this weekend. Anna Mitchell? Did you figure it out yet? Okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Okay, I I, so, I can pull this up here pretty okay, quickly. Okay, so you got there it? was a touchdown by J.K. Dobbins in the first quarter. Seven oh, to poor nothing. J.K. Dobbins. Seven to nothing, Baltimore. Right. Then Houston had a field goal. Houston an, had another field goal. Then another touchdown then a with touchdown. a two-point conversion. Oh, That was the big one, yep. And then so, a touchdown mm-hmm. with, with a, a extra, extra point. point. And a field Up goal. Up to 22. So that two-point wow, conversion that was like, I didn't even, like, that didn't even cross Mystery my mind. Mystery solved. Wow. There you go. And now we know the rest of the story, right? Yes. Is that how it goes? So. I guess. <laughs> Dr. Matthew Bunsen's next. It's 20 till. Does your parish have a spiritual event planned? Sacred Heart Radio can help get the word out. Whether it's a parish mission, 40 hours of adoration, or a speaker you've invited, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events and give us the facts to put on the radio and on our events calendar. One of the benefits of having a local Catholic station is to inform our listeners of the many spiritual activities happening throughout the tri-state. So to submit a spiritual event planned for your parish, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on events. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to SacredHeartRadio.com and click Angels List. Dr. Matthew Bunsen is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN Television. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back. And we are talking about St. John Chrysostom today, the golden-mouthed doctor of the church. How did he get to be such a great preacher? Uh, well, one is, I think, God-given talent, yeah. uh, which uh, was very clear from his earliest days. When, when we think of the greatest preachers in the history of the Church, names like uh, Ambrose of Milan come to mind, uh, Anthony of Padua, Francis de Sales, but I think we have to give uh, one special place to John Chrysostom. Uh, his, his name says it all, obviously, but uh, he had this ability from the earliest time of his life and he learned some of it uh, as a result of an experience with a pagan, a pagan preacher by the name of Libanius, uh, who was in his time in what was then the great city of Antioch, considered the foremost rhetorician, the foremost teacher of rhetoric of how to speak. Uh, and it had been Libanius's hope that uh, John would stay with him, that he would remain his student. But uh, John had other directions, and it is said, that on his deathbed, Labanius lamented that John would have been his successor as the greatest of the teachers of rhetoric, of teaching, of preaching, uh, had, he said, the Christians not taken him from us. <laughs> well, he had plans for John, and uh, John had plans for himself, too, that didn't uh, work out so much. I mean, he, like so many saints tried to be a hermit for a time. Of course, that didn't work. So he ends up in parish life. He becomes a deacon and then a priest and then a bishop in Constantinople. And that was quite a significant gig in that time, was it not? Uh, it was. Uh, if Antioch was the second greatest city of the Eastern Empire, the Roman Empire of the time, then Constantinople was its great headquarters. Uh, it was the imperial capital. It was arguably the greatest city in the world. So you can imagine that the appointment of someone as Archbishop of Constantinople was a very big deal, and this was a very big deal. It's often been asked why exactly he was appointed uh, to this position. There were some who genuinely hoped that he would be the, the kind of uh, genius and reformer that he was in Antioch. Others thought he might be easily controlled. Hmm. Uh, this is an era in which we already start to see some of the secular rulers trying to impose themselves on the church. 
as it was, he came as something of a surprise to everyone because from the moment of his arrival, he really did commit himself as a reformer. And it is said that he began sweeping, it is said by Palladius, a writer, that he began sweeping the stairs from the top. Ooh. Ooh. And that meant, <laughs> that meant reforming the clergy. It meant reforming his own office. It meant uh, that he was not someone very uh, interested in receiving a lot of bribes or flattery. And as a result of this, as always is the case, he began making enemies. And ultimately, one of them was uh, someone by the name of Aelia Eudoxia, who just happened to be the wife of the Emperor Arcadius. Oh, just happened to be, yeah. How did he make her so mad? <laughs> well, part of it was uh, uh, John's real worry about just the sheer lavishness of the imperial court, of the levels of corruption that he saw uh, from the from the imperial court to some of the bishops in the region, to the priests of the city, uh, to the very wealthy of the city, that the poor were being forgotten. And as a result of um, his complaints about these extravagances, especially the luxuriousness of her dress and her own court, Eudoxia really developed uh, a distaste, a dislike, and then an outright hatred. Uh, for John. And that, of course, led to a number of uh, efforts to remove him from his post. He was put on trial at one point in, in 403, in the very famous Synod of the Oak. And then he was actually banished from Constantinople several times. And how did he live his life in exile? Was he bitter or was, I mean, this is where, this is where saints really become saints. It's true. Uh, he... <laughs> More than once, uh, as he faced this being deported, basically, from the imperial capital, uh, would write for support from around the church, uh, including uh, from one of the Pope, Pope Innocent I, uh, as well as uh, various other bishops, because he understood that uh, this was the type of interference in the life of the church that really couldn't be tolerated. He was helped in, in coming back to the city, though, because... While he may have been hated by the imperial court, the imperial citizens loved him. Now, that often meant uh, that there would be rioting in the streets, uh, when, which is a very frequent occurrence, unfortunately, at the time, uh, when he was sent away. Uh, and there was also, at one point, an earthquake uh, that hit the city right at the time of his expulsion. So Aelia Eudoxia took this as a sign that maybe she wasn't supposed to be supporting his banishment. Wow. Well... Uh, you know what? I will support her in in believing in that sign because, I mean, what a great, great saint we have to talk about today. He dies in exile eventually on the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross, which seems so fitting to me. How would you yes. sum up the theology of St. John Chrysostom? Well, the theology of St. John Chrysostom is that, as so many of them do, these beautiful reflections on Christ on the role that he has in our lives, uh, the need to understand the love of the poor, of seeing in Christ the, the smallest, and of almsgiving, of speaking out uh, in defense of the defenseless. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of sound doctrine, but also a love for the weakest among us. Well, that's what's so incredible about him as a doctor of the church, so smart, obviously, 
and yet brings it to the level of all of us and how we can live all of that theology. That's right. It's, it's one of the reasons why he really is the, considered the greatest of all the homilists or preachers in the history of the church, because like a great preacher, he was never desperate to show his genius. Instead, he was able to bring it down to the level that anyone could understand, and anyone who heard him had an encounter with Christ. So what do you think he has to say to us today, Dr. Benson? What he has to say to us is uh, be firm in our reform, but be faithful in our reform. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bunsen. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. We're back right after this. It's 11 till. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father John Gavin, and he has been going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, looking at the presence of the Church Fathers in it with us. Father, good morning. We good morning. So where are we in the Catechism today, and which Church Father are we looking at? Well, uh, because we're following the Fathers in the Catechism, we tend to take big jumps. So we've actually jumped all the way to uh, what would be Holy Saturday, and uh, this is beginning in uh, paragraph 624, so Jesus Christ was buried. And the two fathers that we're looking at, uh, we actually have two today quoted in here in 625 and 626, would be uh, two fathers we've encountered already, uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa, who lived in uh, the second half of the 4th century, and St. John Damascene, St. John of Damascus who lived at the end of the 7th century into the 8th century. And they're talking about the uh, here the question of uh, Jesus' death on the cross and his burial, what happens on Holy Saturday. Uh, and it, therefore it speaks especially about uh, Christ's humanity, his full humanity and his full divinity. Well, by doing that, they're not just talking about Jesus, right? They're talking about Father John Gavin and Matt Swaim and Anna Mitchell and Paul Lockman and all the rest of us, too, right? I mean, there are implications to this. Absolutely. In fact, in the background of this, maybe we could highlight two things. I mean, first would be, yes, something about uh, us as humans. That is, that we are composite beings. 
That is, we are body and soul, not just one or the other. We're not angels, pure spirit. We're not uh, wombats, pure matter. But we are, I think, what C.S. Lewis calls amphibians. You know, just as amphibians live on land and sea, uh, we are both uh, spiritual and material. So we're composite beings. So that's something in the background. Then the other thing in the background is a, a Christological controversy, controversy about the person of Christ in the 4th century uh, with a figure named Apollinarius. And he posited in thinking about the Incarnation that the Son, uh, as we just celebrated yesterday in the, in the, uh, the Trinity, the second person, the Trinity, uh, replaced the spiritual element of the human person. That is, he posited that the humanity of Christ was lacking a noose or mind or spirit, and so the Divine Son took the place of that. Uh, and this was rejected because, of course, that's an incomplete humanity. Uh, one of the primary uh, guides for the Fathers was the principle, what Christ did not assume, he did not save. If he doesn't assume a full human uh, full humanity of body and soul, body and spirit, then uh, he is not authentically human. So these two things are in the background. Yeah, those are a couple of big things. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this quote from St. John of Damascus, and somebody, well, for, for nerds who are really into the theological, you know, historical theological you know, implications of all this, I think it's a fascinating conversation. For a lot of other people, they, their eyes might be sort of glazing over. <laughs> uh, but St. John of Damascus says, you know, at Christ's death, his soul was separated from his flesh. His one person mm. is not itself divided into two persons, right? So just because right. his soul is separated from his flesh doesn't mean we now have two second persons of the Trinity, the body one and the spirit one, right? And there are probably right. people who are uh, asking to themselves, like, why does this matter? Like, can't we just say, I mean, like, why, why is the Church so intent on getting this right? Well, as you said first, uh, just earlier, it has implications for us, obviously, right? Uh, first of all, we don't split into two different beings, right, uh, in terms of our soul and our body, right? Uh, but rather, uh, the doctrine of the resurrection tells us that who we are as human beings, our body and soul, we are to share in the divine life as fully human body and soul, and so what, is, what we see in Christ is what we are to share in. That is, just he doesn't split into two different people, right, uh, with the separation of body and soul. It also says that it, it points to his full humanity as well, right? Uh, when Christ dies on the cross and is laid in the tomb, uh, there is that separation of soul and body, which we will also experience, uh, but then, as St. John Damascene goes on, uh, he, as uh, God, is able to unite what has been dissolved. That is, that separation between soul and body, uh, that's reunited in the resurrection. So it's full of implications for us on who we are as human beings and what we hope for. Father John Gavin, as always, for looking to the Church Fathers and their references in the Catechism, they are all over the place. And you can find Father Gavin's book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at Sunrise Morning Show. 
com, along with all of our guests. Uh, by the way, put in your your email address and subscribe, and you'll get those uh, show notes to your inbox every day, including some of the uh, prayers that we use. And tomorrow morning, you'll even get a recipe from Rita Heikenfeld. So sign up at sunrisemorningshow.com. That wraps it up for a Wednesday morning. We are glad that you spent a little bit of it with us, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Keep it tuned to Sacred Heart Radio all day long. Father Rob Jack to drive you home on Drive It Home the Faith and much, much more. I'm Matt Swain. For all of us here on the Sunrise Morning Show, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at TheAbrasiveOne.com. That's the number one, TheAbrasiveOne.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.